1: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petham here, as always. It's good to be back. And of course, it could be a little bit better. But nonetheless, it's another draw for Aston Villa. One to all against Nottingham Forest at the city ground this Monday afternoon slash evening, depending where you're watching. Or I guess it could be probably morning if you're in Australia. Uh, but uh, regardless of that, everyone will hear this on the Tuesday. So hopefully your Tuesday is a little bit better then your monday has been watching villa because it has been absolutely dreadful and without further ado we do have seb here as well because let's be honest if i was to sit here for 20 minutes by myself to rant and rave i don't know how many people would probably stick around for even 30 seconds of that so without further ado seb how's it going for you you don't give yourself enough credit um getting straight into the football i think
2: if anyone listened to the last episode i recorded with simon after the leads result you could probably just copy and paste our reaction from that and put it into here and no one would notice
1: a thing great advertisement i'm sure everyone wants to stick around now because of that but of course if you didn't listen to the last edition of the whole cast go back and listen to that and then listen to this i guess if you want to do something chronologically correct But regardless of that, of course, to go over the scoreline like I kind of did before, one all at the city ground, definitely not a result Villa fans wanted to hear. Emmanuel Dennis has now, what, I think three goals and an assist in Um, all games against Villa so far doesn't really seem to score too many aside from against us so he's basically the new Troy Deeney in regards to that scoring in the 15th minute uh, Gibbs White getting the assist there Um, the the only thing the only positive thing I could think of for this whole game was Ashley Young scoring a brilliant goal I, I said this to Ashley Priest when we had him on the podcast a few weeks back that I just want to see Ashley Young score One screamer before he retires or leaves us uh, come the end of the season. My prayers have been answered. It feels like it's been over a decade ago and we can all be very happy. Now I just need to see Marvels Nakamba score. Will that happen? Probably never. But regardless of that, Seb, we do have to be happy for that man. But also in the same context, it's probably massively even more concerning that our most impressive player this season thus far has been a 37-year-old playing right back in uh, left back at times.
2: <laughs> and and also our joint joint top scorer, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, it's, I, I saw a quote online, and I think that really summed it up, is that Forrest and Villa are basically opposites. One has a fine coach and a confused squad. The other, a fine squad and a confused manager. And I honestly think that probably sums it up really well. From the outside looking in, there are a lot of journalists that are going, well, you know, Villa are unbeaten in four. They've shored up the defence. They've sorted out that problem and now they've just got to get firing going forward. But internally, when you look at the club, it's so different. There's so many things that are going wrong. There's so many things that aren't being done in the correct manner. Uh, we'll, We'll probably get into that now. Why not? First of all, I think that Gerard was naive to make the substitutions that he did. In terms of personnel, I'd probably agree. I would have liked to see maybe Archer come on a bit earlier as I thought he was our best attacker when he was on the pitch. Um, However, making all three subs one at a time seemed weird. He brought on Dendonka and then brought on Archer less than two minutes later. And when you now have five subs, but they have to be made in three intervals, it almost seemed panicky from Gerard because if he brings on Archer and Dendonka together, that allows us two extra substitutes. And if we go and get that goal, we can bring on an extra defender. If not, then we have attacking midfielders still on the bench to come on. It almost it hindered us. But one of that was one of many decisions, you know, a lot has been said about giving McGinn the captaincy. And I I don't think he can do any more. Well, that's a complete lie. I think we should drop <laughs> <stopped. laughs> <laughs> I said that completely wrong. I think he's got to be dropped now. I don't think he can do anything else apart from be dropped. Um and it says a lot when you're bringing your captain off at one all. You know, you know things aren't going right when that's the case and just from top to bottom really, we don't look organized, we don't look compact and things are going wrong and and quite quickly and if we don't take action soon then I I can't really see it getting
1: any better for us. Well, I, I mean, every Villa fan's probably seen McGinn's absolute shocking miss. Um, I, I'm still complex, and I've probably seen it 30 times. I'm not, not entirely sure who crossed it in because I didn't see that part of the clip. But it's an easy solution. It, it's complete lack of confidence. Lack of confidence, frustration. Um, you could probably boil it down to 10 different things. But see, this is the thing, and I'll always say this because at the end of the day, The manager is going to be the first one that you would argue has to go. It doesn't always stop and start with Steven Jarrett or whoever insert manager name here. He's not on the pitch. I understand that. But you do also have to set them up for success. That is the issue. I put out a tweet on the 7500 to hold account, basically essentially saying we are far too good to have this squad and to have nine points for nine games. And some people can say, well, you know what? That is true, but also a good chunk of the squad got Dean Smith the sack. Now they're facing another manager getting the sack. Fair enough. But at the end of the day, if you look back at those substitutions that, of course, Seb, you have mentioned, you're bringing off Jacob Ramsey for Archer, a striker. Of course, McGinn for Dendonker, a little bit more of a defensive kind of thing, maybe shoring things up. I can kind of understand that. Coutinho for Ng. So now basically you have three strikers on the pitch. When was the last time that happened? The very last game that Dean Smith ever managed as Villa boss when we lost to Southampton and we just threw it and he had no clue and he was out of ideas. That's what this screams up to me.
2: I completely understand the viewpoint of not everything can boil straight down to the manager and that players have got to take responsibility. And mainly because I was sat here saying the exact same thing to Simon less than a week ago. I was saying, you know, Gerard can't always be the fool guy. However, look at the bigger picture. We've got nine points from nine games playing Bournemouth away, Forest away, West Ham at home, who hadn't won all season at that point. There's definitely games in there. It, it, it's not good enough. And even stretching back to last season, how far do you have to go back until Gerard does finally take some responsibility? Because he's, it's, it's really difficult trying to find the answer and, it's really difficult trying to come up with a decision because i'm i'm still in two minds myself i i believe that he hasn't been good enough for a long long time but i also recognise that at the same time you know had mcginn put that chance away or had we've got a penalty which i do think was a penalty when consa went down mm-hmm. you know things could have been really different today again same as against Leeds if Watkins had pulled his finger out and decided to put one of his many chances away again completely different but those are the fine margins in football and at the end of the day the first one who will face the axe when things aren't going your way is Gerrard and when things don't go your way in football it's, it's like London buses at the moment for Villa when one thing doesn't go your way then 10 things don't go your way and suddenly everything looks like the end of the world and you know the first pe- the first person that's going to come under scrutiny and have to take responsibility for that
1: is the man on the t- dugout, and that's Stephen Gerrard. Can I put something out there? This is going to track back a bit. I don't want to. We'll have a little bit of a discussion about it now because I do want to get your thoughts on it, but I don't want it to kind of overwhelm the podcast in terms of talking points because I do want to obviously touch on this game too. But do you ever get that feeling, Seb, that the um, season behind closed doors where we finished tenth? Do you ever feel like part of that there, I I don't want to say there was a lot of luck behind it, but it almost seemed like a bit of a fluke. When you look at the players that had success during that season that are still here, of course, less Jack Grealish and target, et cetera, et cetera. But you look at that squad to it now. And for me, it just shows who performed better with less pressure. Clearly there's still some of those players there. Yes. But To me, it almost seems like that season was just a fluke. You caught a lot of teams on poor form. Some couldn't really get up for it. You look at the top of the table, Liverpool seemed like they couldn't get up for it and basically went down to the last few games to secure fourth. I mean, and then you look at last season where we were just catching up from basically even before day one of the season. Same thing this season. It just seems like we've never really caught our footing all oh, from those seasons ago and i again i don't want it to dominate the podcast but what are your thoughts on that because it just it, it feels like it's a it's almost a running joke at this point
2: yeah i'd put that season down as an anomaly season um i think that's probably how i'd describe it in the fact but even then you look back towards that season and post christmas we were sitting here saying it's not good enough and that, you know we're we're still underperforming because it was only that first half of the season where we were beating teams even when we were on the off days and everything was going right for us, that it seemed to go well. And then post-Christmas, it all fell apart.
1: And then from there, I'd say to this day, we probably still haven't recovered. Yeah, no, 100%. I do agree with that. And like You have to think about it this way too. like You sit back and look at that context of kind of, of course, Grealish got hurt. Results kind of tailed off. And I mean, I can think of the the loss to Sheffield United. That was probably the most sh- uh, <laughs> shocking result of them all because it was absolutely piss poor. Um, and then it obviously it kind of tailed at the end back up. And we got a little bit more momentum into that. And I don't know if that was just riding the momentum of the season before and surviving. And we rode that with that positivity as Villa captain, Villa manager, that leadership. But I mean... Christ at this point I would take anything to have some of that unity some of that togetherness back because you look at the play style now it's very much I do give Jared some credit in terms of he's went back to basics a little bit defensively and I think that's what we needed to do and he's made that tweak I will give him that credit in regards to that but there is that naivety too You, you look at the way that we concede it with Emmanuel Dennis having about 30 yards basically from a free kick all the time in the world to do what he wants to put that in. And of course those can happen from time to time to the best of teams, but it's the continual little things that are the glaring kind of obvious issues. And I mean, you could be meticulous and say you have to do the simple things right to be better, but at the end of the day, we're just not doing them, are we? No, not at all. And that
2: free kick was honestly some of the worst defending I've ever seen. You say, go back to basics. And again, we looked better defensively, but I've seen better defending from my under nines team than when they scored that free kick. It, it's shocking. It is shocking. And to have two shots on target away from home against a team that has lost their last five games shows that we weren't able to put our stamp on the game, that we weren't able to create chances. And, We haven't been able to for weeks now. I don't know why people are still so surprised that we're struggling to score goals because this isn't something that's come out of the blue. When was the last time that we scored two or three goals and won a game convincingly? You know, two or three nil, probably Southampton at home last season. And it's not good enough. And when you look at where we want to be as a squad and the players that we have available for us, we shouldn't be sitting here and saying how we only had two shots on target and one of them happened to go in from Ashley Young from about 30 yards out. The other one was a Watkins header, I think, which he should have done better with. We look void of all confidence up front completely and I, I don't see how that's going to change. Gerard has continuously come out and said he, he, def- he demands more quality going forward. Jamie Carragher sat there on Monday Night Football tonight, and he analysed Villa going forward. And it took him about two minutes to go through everything, every threat that Villa possessed going forward. Says it all. And that's how easy it is for opposition managers to analyse us, and for people to understand Villa's game.
1: Well, I, I think the like, and I've seen this for years now. Where, and it is a thing, of course. You get your kind of like top four, top six bias of. Uh, Monday Night Football like it could be for example Villa Forest and they'll still talk about other teams more so but to be honest when Villa are playing like this I honestly I can't really blame them and I I just saw this come up I think it was I don't know if this is a retweet maybe but um, from AVFC Faithful Uh, we have two goals against Saints, Leeds, Forest and Bournemouth collectively this season Seb thoughts on that? (laughs) That's relegation
2: form that's, it. it's not good. You, you list the players, okay? Ollie Watkins, Danny Ings. I'm not going to include Cameron Archer in this. Emi Buendia, Philippe Coutinho, Jacob Ramsey, John McGinn, Douglas Louise, Leon Bailey. Those are all players that should be performing better and aren't performing well enough. To be successful, you need arguably both of your strikers, two of your strikers scoring at least 10 goals a season. And then you'd hope for, about seven goals each from your midfield to be successful. So far, we'd be lucky if one of our strikers get ten, or even both of them combined get ten. If we carry on the way we're going, and as for our midfield, I I can't see any of them
1: scoring any time. The only time we score is from a corner. No, hundred percent. I just saw another tweet here that's interesting. I'm just going through Twitter to actually get reactions. Uh, Martin Lawrence actually. Just tweeted something that's kind of interesting so i thought i'd mention it uh villa have played six of the remaining seven teams in the bottom eight of the premier league this season they've picked up four points from those six games the last five wins for out of 21 have all come versus teams outside the top 11 at their um at the time uh their next six games all versus teams in the top 11 of course with chelsea next on sunday i mean that that's pretty damning in its own right but it's true it's For me, it all kind of comes down to accountability and whether it's Stephen Jarrett being out of his depth and not understanding it and accepting that and changing. I I, I don't know. Like at one point I thought maybe he just needs to change and accept it because there was some of that stubbornness coming through that we all kind of thought, okay, like this is only going to go one way and it's his way or the highway. I just feel like he's one of those managers that if he does change, he really doesn't know where to go to next he has plan a he might have some form of a plan b but if you're even a half decent manager you have plan a b c and maybe even d and maybe at the end of the day as much as as much as there was excitement about jared coming in last season from some people i think me and i can probably speak for tom too there was some hesitancy there it's just we're we're basically paying for A young manager that's learning on the job. And as much as some people say, okay, we need an experience head and next, we've had that. You can look at what Steve Bruce, Paul Lambert from before, the list goes on and on and on. It's finding that manager, that individual, that kind of collective coaching staff that fits the ethos. Look at Brighton. It doesn't matter who leaves, they have a structure, they have an ethos, they have everything around the manager that can support them. It doesn't matter who it is because at the end of the day, they're being run on all cylinders correctly. And now again, this is probably the most Villa thing to say, either it's going really well off the pitch and poorly on or really well on the pitch and poorly off right now. It's obviously probably the first of that where it's going well off the pitch for the most part in terms of the structure and everything that's going on with the ownership on the pitch. It's a freaking joke. But at the end of the day, too, when you go back to this game, and this this is the thing that I'll forever judge Steven Jarrett on is the mention of oh he needs better players and all that. Well that's out the window now. We need more possession. We need to dominate the ball. Okay, so we had 61% possession of the ball. We had 12 shots with two of them on target. We had four corners, nineteen fouls. You're telling me with 61% of the ball, we can only muster up two shots on target. Like at the end of the day, you can have the ball for 95% of the time. It still doesn't mean you're going to win, but again, it's another excuse. And I think a lot of people, including myself, like at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. He, Jared's damned. If he it is to say something and damned, if he doesn't right now, really, if he comes out and just speaks his mind and he's honest, there's going to be people that pick at that. If he says nothing, more people are going to pick at it. So really at this point, it is a lose lose, but Where do we go from here, Seb? I think that's probably the biggest point that we all have to think about now. Well, that's a million-dollar question, isn't it?
2: Um, I think it sounded as though he lost the away support tonight, which normally is the start of the end, really, if you think about it. I don't think there's really any coming back from that. It's interesting to see how it will be at Chelsea because so far at every home game we've had this season – there have been chance of Stephen Gerards clear up Blue Army. So it be interesting to see whether that continues on Sunday or whether he loses the home support as well. Because again, that will be a massive milestone and a massive step closer to his departure. Uh if he sees this this Chelsea game, that is. I, I don't personally see him being sacked this week. Um again, I think I said this with Simon the other day and my thoughts haven't really changed is that I think Christian Perslow will see Stephen Gerrard's tenure at Aston Villa out till the very, very bitter end. Um, you know, I don't want to repeat myself because the viewers will end up getting bored, <laughs> but it's his appointment and it will end up coming back as a failure on him if he does sack him. So I think he'll give him as much time as he physically can get away with before he pulls the trigger. However, if we were to get rid of him, I'd want a replacement lined up. I would not want to be going into any game with a interim manager. It, we have to have a replacement lined up within the next few days. You, you saw it with, with Brighton. They they had someone in within five or six days. Uh, they identified their target. They went and got him and they did everything they could to go and get him. Wolves, however, this weekend went into Chelsea with an interim manager and it didn't go very well and these are costly points that we'd be dropping if we if we don't make our minds up we have to have a clear plan like you said we have to have a plan we have to have a structure and we have to follow that so there's no point there's no point getting rid of him if we don't know who we want or we haven't got a replacement lined up however if we do then will be the time to to get rid because i think i think he is slowly getting to what well, i say slowly i think he's near enough at the end of his tenure. Now, I think it's a matter of weeks. Um, I did say to Simon, that I think he'll see the world cup break, but I just can't, if we continue on this run of form, I just cannot see any justification given to him being at the club for that long.
1: Well, it's interesting too, because again, like if he, in my mind, if he is sacked this month, it's because there's an immediate replacement coming in because at time of recording, looking at it, Chelsea on the Sunday, October 16th. Then you have Thursday, October 20th, away at Fulham. At home, you have Brentford three days later on the Sunday, October 23rd. Six days later, October 29th, away at Newcastle. Um, What, a week later, then you have United. Four days later, you have them again in the third round of the EFL Cup. Three days later, you have Brighton Um, I think there's what, like a 13 day or sorry. No, then there's the, then there's the World Cup I was looking at. I was thinking, why is there a November 13th and December 26th? Of course, um, I only make those only I make those mess ups, but regardless of that, that's a hell of a lot of games to sit there and ponder what's going to go on. That's it's too risky in my mind. And again, you are right. What's the point in going in with an interim manager? If it's not really going to change anything it's it's just a weird weird place to be in and I think I mean for me and this is going back and again I don't want to rehash old things because I know I've talked about this to you and Tom and Danny and to Simon but the fact that we didn't really spend that much in the summer if you think about it a lot of them were cheap on a freeze maybe a little bit more wages kind of so it was more of a front end thing for the player to me that really did say a lot again ffp comes in and things like that too but i just wonder how much confidence there was a and gerard and b looking at it it'll be interesting to see what's asked of perslow what happens if gerard does leave because this is his guy and i think we all have to remember that so what does that mean for him as well there's gonna be a lot of pressure a lot of questions in regards to that too does he come out as something happens and say for example well we tried it i Believed in him, yada, 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 all the best. Or is he out the door too? That's going to be the interesting thing.
2: I personally, I, I don't know whether this would be controversial. I personally wouldn't want to see Perslow go. I think with the amount of plans we have going on behind the scenes, it would only be adding to our woes if we were to then have to get someone else in to oversee all those plans. Perslo has. I'd say a good relationship or a good habit of talking to the fans and making them feel involved and getting them involved with key decisions within the club, such as infrastructure and the club crest, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if we were to get someone else in, I think that could mess up all the plans we have for our development of Villa Park, for example, and the club crest, so I think he is probably the man to oversee that. However, it all depends on on how he acts with with Gerard, really, because like you said, it all it all boils down to that. If he is that stubborn that he cannot get rid of him, even when because undoubtedly, if results don't improve, it will only get worse from the fan point of view. If he if he's lost the away fans tonight, which it sounds as though he has, because there were chants of "We want Gerard out." Like I've said, that only ever goes one way. There's no real coming back from that. So Perslow has almost got his fate in his own hands here. It's about how he acts.
1: I mean, again, we've talked about this a lot, Seb, but I did see uh, AVFC Stato put something out in regards to John McGinn, just saying John McGinn has started every Premier League game this season. He's been subbed off in five of them. Jared making McGinn captain has turned out to be the downfall of both of them. Not in regards to McGinn more so, but I'm not going to say that is the Villa captaincy a curse, but you, you saw a lot of that weight go on Tyrone Mings where, to be honest, I thought he ha- handled it very well. I think it was just a lot of people being overly anal about things that really didn't, the really minute details went on a grand scale of thing. things. We look at Tyrone Mings' performances and we're just absolutely dog shit without him, let's be honest. Now you look at McGinn, which I, I think kind of in terms of personality, I can understand it, um, but it's, I mean, the man was already having questionable performances before. Let's be honest, ever since he's really had that injury in the first season back in the Premier League, it, he just hasn't been trying to catch up to his former self. But it, for me and with him, it, it just, it's two and two really doesn't, Equal out to what it should be, isn't it?
2: See, I disagree. I'd say when Gerard came in, that was probably the best we saw of John McGinn. I think there was a patch there when he first arrived at the club. When Gerard first arrived at the club, that we th- we saw a new side to John McGinn, and that's probably what changed Gerard's mind. Because you know, I-, I can't sit here and say whether he was best suited for the role because Gerard sees him day in day out, spends. The most hours with them, we see them realistically for ninety minutes a week. So I'm not going to sit here and say he made the wrong decision. He he clearly felt that was what's right. We all, I think, we're all unanimously going to agree that the way he went about it in dropping Tyrone Mings not only from the captaincy but from the squad altogether was incorrect and the wrong way to go about things. But changing it over to John McGinn was never a bad decision only now does it come out to be a bad decision because he's in such a bad run of form and because he's having substituting week out week in week out bringing off your captain is never good but everyone can look back in hindsight and go yeah well that wasn't a good decision you know so it's 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 a really 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 difficult one I probably I wouldn't start him at the weekend I think he has to be taken out the firing line but that Will probably only create more speculation around him. But if it doesn't, so bit we can't keep someone in just to keep them out the firing line, off the pitch. Um, I think then Donka was stable tonight. I also think Archer has to start at the weekend. Um, there's a lot of decisions to be made from Gerard's part.
1: Ready to pop the question. well I think that's the thing too like if you're gonna shake things up now is the time if you're gonna get desperate now is the time if he sticks with the way it's been um unfortunately it's going to be I mean this is the thing if we go into if we walk out of the Chelsea game with a draw what do we think really even think of that is that just papering over the cracks is it a good point I mean It's hard to be annoyed when we got a point out of the city game, which we had really no right to do. So the game sense and it just, again, it hasn't been good enough. These points are great against certain teams, but, and I mean, I think that's been Villa's downfall really for a long time. It's beating the teams that we should be beating. It's handling certain situations that even the most casual football fan can see what to do. And we're not handling them in the right way, whether that's arrogance or tactical stupidity or whatever it is. It's just at the end of the day, it's really not good enough. No, it's not. And, and you're right. And the stats
2: that they showed before the game of how we are, going forward really puts it into perspective. I think it was something like for goals, shots, assists, blah, blah, blah. We were like 18th in the league, 19th in the league. And that that is not good enough. Nowhere near good enough. And we shouldn't have to settle for that. But the squad that we've created and the targets that have not been created by the fan base, but from higher up at the club, we shouldn't then have to sit here and go and accept that we're failing because we are failing. The aim for this season was to break into the top 10, if not push those sides above us for top seven, which was never going to happen. Never, never going to happen. Our squad was never strong enough. If you're going into a season with Ollie Watkins, Danny Ings and Cameron Archer as your front three, you're never, ever going to break into the top seven, let alone maybe top 10. So now that we're sitting here 16th with no real sign of pushing on from that, we we shouldn't be sitting here and going, well, you know, it's all right. Wolves have sacked their manager. Southampton are incredibly close to sacking their manager. There's going to be a time where those alarm bells start ringing at Bodymore Heath as well
1: it has to i mean I, I, to be honest I, at one point when i was watching i was seriously asking myself when is chris samba coming on
2: um leicester just... made easy work of Forest. let's not forget that less than a week ago leicester put four passes and made them look men against boys and today we couldn't gerard should have watched that game and gone right step onto forest that is where they'll crumble They're awful defensively the worst in the league defensively step onto them force a mistake so there there should have been easy signs there but it seems as though we we didn't identify that as a threat and it was more
1: keep the ball and
2: not really create anything
1: with it well that's the thing like and and this is the thing that really annoys me i honestly and this is how i genuinely feel i feel like if we would have had some kind of combination of whether it's Al Ghazi, Trezeguet, or Triore, you could throw Wesley in there. I, honestly, to be to all God's darn honest truth, I thought we were probably more lethal with those really? guys than we were today. We got more. If you look at the stats from where we are at this point in the season, from to our promotion campaign first season back, we got more out of those players than we have for this current crop. I think we had more points too, if I'm correct in saying that as well. I think we had 11 points. If I want to say so correctly, I, th- I think that's from two more games, though. But yes, I, I get your point, and I'm,
2: I'm not saying I agree or disagree. And I'm purely playing devil's advocate here, but getting more out of those players was that the players getting more out of it, or was that in Smith getting
1: more out of them? Well, I think that kind of two and two really go together in regards to that, though. It's you, it's believing in yourself for one, your manager for another. And also having... I'll never say that Ollie Watkins and Coutinho, et cetera, et cetera, don't have talent. But if you can't get some kind of smooth rhythm together, there's clear warning signs there. But anyways, that's just how I feel about it. It, The problem for me is that Christian
2: Perslow came out and made the statement when he sacked Dean Smith that said, we haven't seen signs of improvement so far early on this season um and that's the reason we're getting rid of him if you compare the situations i don't think we're any better off under Gerard than we are under smith i see a lot of similarities but can you put that down to the players just not being good enough or can you put that down to again a inept manager there's, there's more questions than answers, and you, that's never a good case scenario for a football club. As fans, we should never, ever have more questions
1: and answers. Well, that's another issue too. Again, I mean, this is kind of repeating ourselves a little bit, but you, you do sit back and look at this result with, what, Chelsea next, then Fulham, and then Brentford. I'm. It feels very weird to say this about a newly promoted side and a side that only came up last year, but I'm increasingly more jealous of Fulham and Brentford right now than I I ever see us getting anything out of Fulham. They're actually a well-oiled machine. Brentford play very well. Tony's been on consistent form this season. Um, It's, I mean, it's typical Villa to say we're coming against certain sides in certain circumstances at the worst of times, but it's just, it's such a far cry of what we should be going into these games confidence wise. Everyone can stick the name Felipe Coutinho, for example, out there and saying, oh, he should be better. But at the end of the day, realistically, we bought a player that had a, I don't know, would you give him a 6, 7 out of 10, maybe, loan spell? I mean, he showed up for a few games, really, and then at the very tail end just absolutely disappeared for a good chunk at the end of the season when form dipped, and we bought him off of that. And let's be honest, nothing has happened since we don't play Bundia half the time, and he's our record signing, and he's put into circumstances where he looks like our best player, but he can't succeed with how we're playing. Ollie Watkins looks like a shell of himself, being asked to do things he can't do at times, being left alone on basically the Isle of White when everyone else is probably about thirty thousand kilometers away or miles away, whatever way you want to measure that, in metrics wise. Um, Danny Ings, I know he's calling on him to be better, but he doesn't even play him. Same thing with Leon Bailey. It's it's excuses, and at the end of the day, I, I I understand that you you have to put things out in the media to get your pressers done and all that kind of stuff. But if the proof isn't in the pudding, then you have to go. It's simple as that. The problem for me is that Gerard
2: had a clear defined style of play when he was at Rangers in which was get the most out of his fullbacks, Barisic and Tavernia, get them pushing on wide and get crosses into the box. He Carragher was alluding to this before kickoff in that as a football team, there's three ways to style your play and to beat the opposition. You either go round them through them or above them. And Gerard, in his managerial career so far, has always gone around them. However, at Villa, because he wasn't going to get the same time on the ball as he did at Rangers because we're not as dominant, which mm-hmm. is understandable and should never have come to a surprise as Gerard. he then brought Felipe Coutinho as a way of being able to go through teams instead of having to go around them all the time. Coutinho was meant to be that option where you give it to him and he's able to create something in the middle of the park and go through teams. However, that hasn't happened. So we bought Coutinho as a system player Mm -hmm. and it hasn't worked so far. That system hasn't come to fruition and we haven't got the best out of that system. So where do we then go from here? Do we keep trying to go round them? Because at the moment, if we put a ball in the box... I'm not confident that Ollie Watkins will get on the end of it. I'm not confident that one of our midfield men will make a darting run into the box and win that header like we've seen so many times is that we're incapable of doing that. Same with Danny Ings at the moment. I don't think his movement's good enough. And same with, well, we haven't seen enough of Archer yet this season to be able to say whether he'd be able to do that. We can't end up going through teams because, like Forrest did today, they'll stick everyone back and we won't be able to create anything from it. Coutinho isn't in good enough form. Buendia is our only player that will make things happen, but one man can't do everything. When If a team parks a bus against us, they'll nine times out of ten, they'll succeed. Leeds showed it. Forrest showed it today. That's two weeks in a row now that teams have set up the same way against us and we haven't been able to break them down. So, then do we go over teams? Because we don't have that aerial threat up front. We don't, you know, if we end up reverting to long balls, then I don't think the fans will be happy with that. And I don't think we'll succeed in it either because I don't think we have the players to play that style
1: of play. So, where does Gerard go from here? Exactly. Oh, and just to correct that thing where I said the first season we we're back in the Premier League, we had more points at this point. I was actually thinking um, when Smith got sacked, we had 10 points from 11. I was getting them mixed up, but to be honest, I wouldn't be shocked if we were somewhat even close to the points tally that we currently have now, which does say a lot. And I mean, you look at the wage structure then to what it is now. I, th- I think that's going to be one of the most frustrating points about it too. Like really when you sit back on the grand scheme of thing, and I was just looking at our top scores, cause I know you didn't mention that. I'm pretty sure it's one. And that is between what, like Ashley Young, Danny Ings, Douglas Louise, Emmy Buendia, Jacob Ramsey, Leon Bailey, Ollie Watkins, et cetera, et cetera. The list probably goes on. Okay, yeah, we're sharing around the goals. But considering we're probably one of the lowest goal-scoring teams in the league, that's an even bigger issue. And look at the names I just listed off. Again, we have went from a team that played with a bit of pace and energy on the wings. Yes, it wasn't always pretty at times. Yes, it was massively frustrating at times. But we have went from that to a very slow and stodgy and just... Dry team that has no creativity. We think we're just going to pass around teams and that's going to work for some reason. And uh, we are where we are now. Erling Haaland alone has
2: scored more than double we have this season. And when. Sign him up. <laughs> as inhuman as he is and as good as he is, you look at the teams we've played and we should never, ever be reading out that stat. But the problem is when you play boring football, Your time is limited as it is. People have been questioning whether Conte's style of play will get the best out of Spurs, and they're currently third in the league and probably looking like he got them into the top four last season. They've been successful so far with him and still question marks are being added because he plays that boring style of football. If you play a boring style of football, you have to be successful. If you're not successful, the fans will turn so much quicker than if we were scoring goals. If we were scoring goals and losing games, I think there'd probably be a bit more of an acceptance about it. However, we're not scoring goals and we're not winning games, so we're not doing anything of the basics that we should
1: be doing. Absolutely, I do agree with that. Um, let's go over to the three-word reviews. I don't, to be honest, should be fun. Yeah, to be honest, I'm shocked we've even got this much discussion out of this. But again, it probably speaks more so to the result and the performance more so than anything. Uh, it's been a good chat regardless. But of course, you can tweet us at 7500 Holt post-match. It usually goes out a few minutes um, after the final whistle. And it's always good to have um, some opinions. I think there's over 120 of them already, and I haven't read any of them. So let's go through and see what kind of mess I can make of this. Uh, let's start with capital villains saying listless, uninspired, desperate. Um, James Mary has put in four different nominations in one tweet. They all have, they're all three words. Um, so just to go through these. When you
0: make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.
1: Quickly, protecting his job, keeping us up, that's the aim, question mark, bore off Stevie. Um, a Villa podcast saying ponderous, pathetic, predicted. Our very own Simon O'Regan saying Sack Gerard now. I guess we didn't even need to have Sion. He's already had his opinion, and basically, there's the podcast for you right now. Um, let's go to uh Matt saying two championship sides, Dan saying get him gone. Um, Owen Laley saying um sack the scouser uh let's go to a lot of uh, Stevie gerrard out so let's see if we can find something out a little bit different um avfc average fan saying uninspiring boring slow um you can't disagree no you you can't that's a lot of them uh chris uh sorry if i butchered your last name there um saying has he gone Uh, Michael Miller saying not good enough. Let's scroll even further down. My God, they're still coming in. Um, Let's see. Ashton saying, get Gerard gone in all caps. Uh, Kurt AVFC uh, Mucklow saying bye bye Gerard. Uh, Dave saying he uh, need another beer. I feel like that's a lot of people right now, of course, of drinking age, be responsible. Um, Let's go to uh, Michael Smith saying stealing a wage. Uh, CJC saying board board board, uh, Razor Rudd torture every week and let's. Do... Are you excited for the game on Sunday? <laughs> no, not really, to be honest. <laughs> Why? Well, that up. Right. <laughs> do you think he makes the game on Sunday? I'll answer that in just two seconds. Let's do two more of these. Why not? Um, let's go to Tony Swinfield, utter fucking garbage, and let's finish with um, Stuart Charles saying absolute feckin' shite. So I think it's that's a good way. Yeah, it's hard to disagree. But let's go back to your question. Uh, does he make it till Sunday? Um will we see the um aforementioned um picture of the lion or of Villa Park or whatever within the next We're few days? Flag. <sighs> Unfortunately, I think he does make it. And the reason probably being that they'll be able to kind of code behind the string of results being draws in a win rather than straight losses. And I think that's the only reason. Well, the other reason because I I think Perslow and him are basically so in cahoots together personally that it's going to be probably the biggest time in Perslow's history of the club where he's probably going to dig in and hold off for as long as he can in terms of the ownership stepping in and saying it's time for him to go. I think that's What's going to be the crux of the issues? and unfortunately, I feel like that might get a little bit messy, but who knows? but how do you feel about it? I completely agree with what you said, especially about the results.
2: You know, they'll look at four four games unbeaten with one of those being Man City and think, yeah, I mean it's it's not got to desperation stage yet. Um, however, as footballing men and as footballing people, they will be looking at our performances and surely something within them realizes that it's not good enough and that it should be better. However, like you've said, I think they believe that Gerard is a man to make those things better. Whether or not the fans will agree with that, only, only time will tell. However, I I've always been one for if I've I've always said if I was a CEO or CEOs or higher people within a football club should not listen to fans' opinion and let it sway their judgment. You saw it with Arteta last season. They were bottom after five games. I'd, I'd probably say a lot of Arsenal fans wanted him gone, but they stuck with him. And I think 99 out of 10 99 out of 100, sorry. <laughs> uh, Quick maths. <mouse. laughs> <laughs> higher people within football should not take fans' opinions as the whole picture. And it, like I said, they shouldn't let it sway their judgment. However, you know, fans are rarely incorrect when it comes to results, when it comes to aesthetically pleasing football. You know, we we don't, I wouldn't say Villa fans ask for a lot. We just want to enjoy watching our team play. And I can't remember the last time I looked forward to going to Villa Park or away from home or looked forward to the next fixture. I'm going to be honest.
1: Well, that's the thing. And I was talking about this to Tom off air, maybe actually we said it on air too previously, but like you look at where the club is going in terms of on the pitch, the feeling that fans are getting, and I'll be honest. Throughout this whole season, I have felt massively just uninspired when it comes to creating content and podcasts and just even watching at times because, well, one, the the product and basically displays on the field have been shit, let's be honest. And number two, it's that feeling we're getting from, unfortunately, the manager and um, Again, it's going to be hard for anyone following Dean Smith and what he brought and what he means and what he represents to the club. That's going to be impossible. But um, you do have something you want to say, so I'll go to you next. Just a quick question for you. Yep. And this is Steven
2: Gerrard's interview this evening. I, I want your opinions on what you think he's saying here. So, And I quote, he said, I'm aware that we should have more points and more goals. I'm not stupid. I've not got my head buried under the sand. I'm very much aware of the external pressure and noise and what people are saying. I am not soft. Does that sound like someone who is feeling
1: the pressure? Uh, He's been on the defensive for weeks now, in, in my opinion. I mean, you look at the thing that came out with Ashley Priest in regards to asking about Cameron archery, look at that. Um, by the way, the, the under the sand thing gives me massive, massive. Not your person. Yes. Ma- yes. I was going to say the ostrich um, vibes, but uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, and I do want to wrap this up shortly because we've been going on for more than long enough. I'm sh- Again, I'm shocked you've got this much out of it, but you can say all you want, but at the end of the day, if the results aren't there, if the proof isn't in the pudding, really what other excuses what else can you say to really save your job unfortunately like i said before and i i feel like you agree he's going to be given more time and the way i see it there's only one way it's going it's going to get worse before it gets better so in my opinion it all depends when the band-aid gets ripped off unfortunately and Another sad fact is it probably means another wasted season of just trying to restabilize again. Um, But you know what, until it gets better until things prove improve a little bit more and get the way that the owners and fans want it to be, we're going to be in this cycle. It's unfortunate because prior to relegation, we were in a similar cycle. That was an absolute mess and a shit show and pure annoyance and struggles. And I don't want to say we're in that again, but it's uh, it's not looking pretty as it's up. It's
2: it's not. And I'm, I'm going to completely go back on something I said earlier in that I don't think we should have an interim manager at one point. I completely forgot that Neil Critchley is part of our backroom staff now who has done it at Blackpool. So if we needed him to step in, then it wouldn't be the end of the world um, as long as there was no chance of him being promoted to the job full time, because at, at this point it, it's something that Villa would do. It's something that wouldn't surprise me, but it means that the option is there. Um, and the last person to be sacked whilst on a four or more unbeaten run was Nigel Atkins at Southampton. And he was, in fact, replaced with Maurizio Pochettino. So (laughs) here we go. (laughs) (laughs) make of that what you will.
1: Well, you know what? Uh, Another Stevie has uh, decided to part ways with his job, as in Steve Bruce. Um, I I, I don't think that's ever going to happen again, but you never know. Paul Lambert's available too. Do you want the old bad vibes back? You could really go down that route, but... As per Seb's instructions here in details, Pochettino could be next. Um, I, I think that's kind of a hope and a prayer more than anything, but I think that's a good way to leave it. We're not going to do man of the matches because to be honest, I think we'll probably just both give it to Ashley Young, considering everyone's performances. Uh, well done to that man. I guess he can get both of them. I will just say that now. And I will vote for Seb too. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll leave it at that. Thank you very much for everyone joining in. It's definitely been a longer one than I thought, a longer one than I told my girlfriend that we'd be recording. So I'm sure I'm going to be eating dinner alone tonight, probably, because she's probably already eaten. But regardless of that, I hope everyone has a fantastic Tuesday, rest of your week. Hopefully we should have a a preview podcast if we can wrangle a Chelsea journalist or... um, opposition fan in to chat with us but if not we will be back post-match to chat all things villa hopefully there's a little bit more positivity at the end of the villa rainbow but anyways we'll leave it there and don't forget oh, the villa